Welcome to the American Research Center in Egypt podcast. Each month, we will bring you the latest findings in Egyptological research and host engaging discussions about fascinating topics in Egyptian cultural heritage. Each of our guests are world-renowned scholars in the fields of Egyptology, Islamic, Coptic, and modern Egyptian history, archaeology, and much more. To suggest a topic for this program, please email us at podcast at arce.org. We are also available on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. If you enjoy this podcast, you can find out more about our other programs and activities, including virtual lectures and tours, by visiting our website at arce.org. You can also support our work by joining our mailing list, becoming a member, or donating to support this podcast. This month's podcast focuses on the Al-Amasili project in Rosetta, featuring Dr. Fatma Ismail, RC's U.S. Director of Outreach and Programs, in conversation with our guest, Dr. Mohammed Kanawi, who is a research associate at the School of Archaeology and Ancient History at the University of Leicester. This is the first podcast in the series, Scribe, Behind the Scenes. Thank you so much for joining us today, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Dr. Mohamed Kanawi is a research associate at the School of Archaeology and Ancient History, University of Leicester. He received his doctorate degree on surveying and documentation of Greco-Roman archaeological sites in the Western Delta from Siena and Oxford Universities. He was a researcher and training manager at the School of Archaeology, University of Oxford, for the Endangered Archaeology of the Middle East and North Africa project. He was head researcher followed by acting director of the Hellenistic Center of Bibliotheca Alexandrina. He taught at the American University in Cairo and at, at Catania University. He has participated in various archaeological missions in Libya, Italy, and Egypt, among them those at Como Ahmar, Como Asit, Afribis, Diunis, Yes, and Mankabad. Thank you for coming to talk with us about the Masili project in Rosetta, Dr. Kanawi. Thank you very much. During the medieval period, new cities in the Delta emerged as important cultural and economic centers. A particularly notable example was the city of Rosetta, where the famous Rosetta stone was found. During the Mameluk and Ottoman periods, 1250 to 1800, Rosetta became the second important city in Egypt after Cairo. Can you tell us a bit more about the city of Rosetta and what inspired you to start a cultural heritage conservation project there? Yes, indeed. Rosetta is the town where the famous Rosetta stone was found and the key for, which was the key for this this deferring ancient Egyptian hieroglyphs. The town is located on the west bank of the Nile River and it's 45 minutes drive from Alexandria and four hours drive from Cairo. So the town flourished in the medieval period and it was one of the main gates to Cairo and other Egypt. In fact, the majority of travelers after the year 1500 had to go to Rosetta in order to sail up the Nile. The town also experienced rapid economic development after the abandonment of the port of Alexandria in the 14th century, becoming, as you said, the most important town after Cairo. Hence, the high number of archeological heritage sites dating from, the, from that period, Rosetta started to decline after the excavation of Mahmudaya Canal and the new port of Alexandria during Muhammad Ali period. So 
the idea to start uh, a heritage project in Rosetta was developed over many visits over many years to the town. And after consulting photographs of Rosetta in different archives that showed that a glorious period in that town. The potential of the town for heritage projects was obvious given the many historical buildings suffering from neglect and abandonment. Until the 1940s, if I remember well, the town was full of Ottoman houses, but now only 22 houses remain and are suffering various degrees of deterioration. So the idea was discussed with my colleagues from Padova University in Italy about the possibility of presenting a different example of a field work in Egypt, where we could first document and restore a structure and use it for public activities. Therefore, we chose the Masila complex, which was already open to visitors, to try this new approach and to do something different from the traditional restoration projects in Egypt. We suggested to the Ministry of Antiquities that Amasili complex should not only be restored, but transformed into a hub that will eventually work as a museum and culture center and contain a conservation laboratory. The Ministry of Antiquities agreed and granted the permission to Badova University. So here I have to thank the American Research Center in Cairo in Egypt and the Ministry of Italian Foreign Affairs. We were able to undertake the first phase of interventions to the most damaged area of the Amasili house, the second floor and the roof. Why was the Amasili house chosen by the mission? When was it built and what are its distinctive features? So the mission opted for the Amasili house because it's one of the largest houses in Rosetta and also one of the most endangered due to the water ingress. The house won the tower was not closed during the previous restorations, which meant that every time it rained in winter, and it rains a lot in winter in Rosetta. So high volumes of water would soak the top floor, although there was limited damage to the remaining floors. Regarding the date of the house, so the house was probably built at the end of the 18th century, but no fixed date can be given. Its unique features are its large well-proportioned rooms, decorated wooden ceilings and wooden fixtures distributed over different floors. I saw many of the pictures of the wooden ceiling and it's just mm. beautiful. What about the Amasili project? What's unique about it? Uh, the unique thing about our project for me is that it is accessible to the general public. The structure remained open during our work giving the opportunity for visitors to see what we were doing, ask questions and give feedback. Usually, visitors to a temple, museum, or even archaeological site never see the work of conservators and restorers. They are, they are normally presented with just the final result. In our case, we wanted to show everyone what is happening behind the scenes, explaining our actions in detail. Another important aspect of our project is a close collaboration between the team and the Ministry of Antiquities. So the Italian approach is to come to a consensus on every detail with the director of Rosetta Antiquities Office. This is because we are not willing to impose our work, but instead trying to create a model where stakeholders are valued. That can be used by local conservators for their own work. So our team is directed, is directed by Cristina Mondin, Michele Azulati of Badova University and myself. And the team has two conservators, 
Sergio Calò, who is Italian, and Luciana Carvalho, who is dual Brazilian-British national. And also we have an Italian architect, Maurizio Trevisan, and an Italian archaeologist, Nuncia La Rosa, specialized in the photogrammetry, and she conducted a great work documenting all the external walls uh, of the house. During uh, the work, our team interacts on daily basis with inspectors and conservators of the ministry, negotiating solutions so that our needs along with their needs are met. That's a good model for conservation work, that allowing visitors to see and interact with your work give you good feedback or lead to any modification of the project? Yes, of course, because the engagement was useful for us as it enabled the team to reflect on the interventions, to deal with the expectations and to learn from the visitors themselves. Among the visitors, there, are, there were many architects specialized in Ottoman architecture and heritage professionals eager to learn about specific details from the workers themselves. You are listening to the official podcast of the American Research Center in Egypt. More information about our operations and programs can be found on our website at arce.org. Now we will go back to our episode with Dr. Mohammed Kanawi. How was the local community um, then involved with the project? So Rosetta is a small town, not a village, and the local community has been involved in different ways. Our workers, or all our workers, builders, carpenters, or electricians, are from Rosetta. Our relationship is not only based on commissioning and paying for work. For example, our conservators trained some of the workers on new techniques for, restore, for restoring walls and applying the new plaster. So workers were not only being paid to do a job, they were learning new skills which they can use in other projects in future. We also tried to purchase mat building materials from local shops, buy our lunch in the souk, the traditional one, and we used local drivers. It was important to make the local community a part of the project. And we received daily visits from family members of the workers and inspectors. So we were all one big family. How do you think the local community will be impacted by the increase in tourism? Uh, first, we think increased numbers of visitors can create opportunity for meaningful cultural and intellectual exchanges. We consider mass tourism as practiced in larger towns that have ancient Egyptian antiquities not appropriate here. There is already a steady influx of visitors coming from Alexandria and Cairo, uh, normally the weekend. Uh, they are interested in Ottoman architecture and we expect more visitors will come from other towns in the Delta, rather than a sudden influx of foreign tourism. So Rosetta is a special town where visitors can enjoy one day or two days trip. There is a natural beauty of the Nile and Mediterranean coast. Forts that protected the north coast during the medieval period can be visited. An Ottoman bathing complex and over 20 houses from the late Mamluk to early Ottoman periods. There are also historical mosques and ch a church that encumbrate in their construction reused ancient Roman columns. So visitors can also enjoy, enjoy the shops uh, in the Souk, which, will, which is still preserve a medieval arrangement of different trades 
enjoy homemade bread and sweets from the many bakeries dotted around the town, and also purchase handmade traditional carpets from the various shops. One of which, one of these shops, in fact, is a govern, government cooperative supporting widows and household in and housed in the in the building opposite the, the Masila house. Not to forget that Rosetta was the location where the Rosetta stone was found, which is an extra extra important element that should be attractive point for tourists. A very important aspect of the project for the local community will be the activities that can take place at the Amosili complex. At present, there isn't even one cinema in Rosetta or a quiet place where local artisans could meet or present their ideas and showcase their work. So we believe that subject to necessary permissions being, being obtained and according to the ministry regulations, Amosili complex will be we will be able to plug that gap. In fact, I would say that Rosetta is a very beautiful city that has a bright future with all of its beautiful sites. Of course, I have to declare my bias though. I love the Corniche in Rosetta where the western branch of the Nile flows into the Mediterranean Sea, but the opposite point or mouth where the eastern branch of the Nile pours into the Mediterranean at Russell Bar in Damietta is just splendid. <laughs> it's a natural wonder that's unmatched anywhere in the world, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with you. What have the main challenges been, Dr. Kanawi? Oh, so being a part of the daily bureaucratic machine, small issues happen every day, everywhere. The main challenge from the start was finding the financial support to cover the cost of this first phase of works. In fact, here I have to thank again the American Research Center in Egypt and the Ministry of Italian Foreign Affairs. It was the first time that RC supported a heritage project in the Delta, an area that has long been neglected by donors. Despite its rich archaeological and historical heritage in the Delta and North Coast, so in fact RC is a pioneer in the Egyptian heritage sector, helping to promote the Delta to the world and Rosetta especially. Very happy to hear that. So I would continue and uh, with my uh, list of challenges and in fact another in, an indirect challenge is perhaps the modernization of the Rosetta, uh, of the Rosetta town in general that started after 2011. The modern unsystematic constructions have a negative impact on the landscape and in few years the Ottoman and Mamluk structures that will still remain will be surrounded by jarring high buildings. I don't need to talk here about the traditional challenges like climate change, humidity, and the increase of underground water, but I would invite all of you to visit the town and take a tour as that will demonstrate the interest of the public. You talked about the many threats to Rosetta's heritage. Are these threats the same um, everywhere in the Delta? Mm, there are threats uh, of different types present everywhere, and particularly in the Delta. Many large-scale projects are making these issues more visible, like the Emina project and the Delta Survey project, among others. Given that challenges, I would hope that more missions would be interested in implementing conservation projects in the Delta. Likely enough, in Rosetta, we have received great support from the ministry representatives who understand the issue very well and have provided great assistance to us. 
I believe when you complete the project, inshallah, uh, Asmaili complex will be a remarkable heritage conservation story model to be replicated everywhere, but especially in the Delta. How will the next phases of the project be accomplished? So the first phase of the work concentrated on making the main building watertight as the issues with the roof could have led to a partial collapse. In fact, that involved the removal of old roof layers, replacement of rotten beams, and installation of a new roof protection layer. Internally, the cement plaster was completely removed from the walls of the top floor and replaced with a plaster mixed developed to take into account the current climate of Rosetta. However, what we'll be able to do this year is, is to stage an expression about our work inside the house, presenting the past and present challenges to the Rosetta heritage and inviting visitors to consider its endangered statues in the context of, over, of ever increasing sea levels and the impact of modern life's pressures on the town's heritage. Uh, in future, on the next phase of the project, we will be replacing the plaster covering all the walls of the first and ground floors and instill a new lighting system. This can be done in one year or two years, and we hope that RC will continue to support us. How do you plan to document the work that has been done at the Masili House? We are documenting our work uh, on, on, on with different ways in addition to the official reports. We believe that videos like the one RC shared uh, two weeks ago and 3D scanning virtual tools are great for documenting and communication uh, of our work. And so this podcast also, we also have a Facebook page and in the interest of being more traditional, we are preparing a booklet that will be avail available to all the visitors of the house. One final question on a somewhat unrelated topic, but of interest to many of our listeners. Uh, it's about the recent discussion of the site of Taposiris Magna, 40 miles from Rosetta, as a likely site for the tomb of the famous Queen Cleopatra. What do you think of this? Well, I hope, in fact, that uh, uh, archaeologist who's working there can uh, prove the evidence of this discovery, uh, I think we shall ask ourselves a question more wide, more wide uh, rather than just uh, searching for the tomb of Cleopatra or the tomb of Alexander. Uh, where are the burial uh, location of all the governors of Egypt during the Ptolemaic Kingdom? So we have very famous uh, kings like Ptolemy I, Ptolemy II. We need to ask a wider question. Where is the location of all these burials? Yeah, there is a gap of at least 300 years between the time of Alexander the Great and Cleopatra. Where are the tombs of all the kings and queens who ruled Egypt during this time? In fact, there's a gap of 300 years of uh, a complete absence of any royal tomb in that period. And in fact, archeologists and historians would I think they shall uh, start thinking about this issue in a wider context. Thank you and all the best to you and the team, Dr. Kanawi. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the RC Podcast. And many thanks to Dr. Mohamed Kanawi for sharing his expertise. 
please join us for next month's podcast, where we will be talking about the Egyptian priests of the Greco-Roman period with our guest, Dr. Marina Escolano Poveda of the University of Liverpool. Please visit our website at www.rc.org for more information or contact us at podcast at arce.org. Again, we are also available on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Thank you so much for listening today, and we'll see you next time.